0: you are worthy of our worship this morning and we delight in who you are you are our savior you are the lover of our souls you are the love of our lives and we praise you and we glorify you and we exalt you this morning church would you be seated as we prepare to receive communion and those of us who are gathering online if you want to collect those communion elements you know when we sing that song because the Holy Spirit is in us, something rises up and says, yes, Jesus, be magnified in my life. Be magnified in my life. And let me tell you a secret. He is never more magnified in our lives than when we receive His grace. That's when He's most magnified. When you, like Peter, humble yourself and say, Lord, wash my feet too. Wash me too, Lord. In that moment, he's magnified. In that moment, he becomes great in the temple of our hearts. In that moment, the whole reason he came is broadcast in the heavens. He came to save us and to give us his grace. That's what this communion is about. So I want to invite you, if you just tear off kind of the top... Part of this you'll find a communion wafer it's kind of a two-part thing here and then right behind that you tear back again and the juice is underneath it i always think every time we come to this moment church every month i think that for thousands of years all over the globe our brothers and sisters have been doing the same thing and we join with them in this moment and Christ is magnified in us. The Bible says on the night he was betrayed, our Lord took bread and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples. And he said, this is my body, Greg. This is my body, sons and daughters. This is my body broken for you. Receive it taken and eat it in remembrance of me. Let's do that. Lord, we receive your work on the cross. You took away the punishment for our sins, God. You declared us not guilty by your blood, and we worship you this morning. We thank you for that. God, and we are humbled by your grace, and we receive it that you might be magnified in us. The Bible says afterwards that he lifted up the cup, and he said, This is the new covenant in my blood. Now you belong to me and I belong to you. This is the new covenant in my blood. Take it and drink it in remembrance of me. Let's receive together. Lord Jesus, we delight to belong to you, to be your people. Be glorified this morning in our hearts, in your church, in this place, in this moment as we worship you. Be magnified in us, we pray. We pray it in Jesus' name. Would you stand as we continue in worship, church?
1: I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazareth.
0: Thank you for your love, Lord Jesus. We rejoice in it. We rest in it. You have made us ours. We trust your word. Heaven and earth may pass away, but your word remains our firm foundation. Be glorified in your church. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Good morning, church. It is great to see you. Listen, nothing pleases our Father more. Then our love for one another. Would you take a moment and just greet your neighbor? And since we didn't meet last week, maybe ask them what their name is again, just so you can remember. Take a moment and say hi to somebody this morning.
2: To people in our church. It's pretty cool. Um, One of the things that we want to do real quick this morning is, man, be excited because we get to be together again after last week. That was nuts. And uh, man, God's people continue to just do. What God calls us to do, no matter what. This morning, uh, I just want to really quick mention a few things that are coming up at Mount Rainier Christian Center. First of all, uh, if you're new this morning, or if you are you haven't been here in a while even, um, you can check out that Connect card that's in the program. If you got one of those and you came in the door, you can fill that out if you want to and leave it uh, in the offering plate or in your seat or wherever we'll find it uh, at, as you leave this morning. Uh, that's cool. There's some information on there, ways to get involved, connected, and all that kind of stuff. Um, a few things that are happening tomorrow night. If you're a man, can you really quick just make like a quick manly grunt noise? Just <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. You know what? I immediately regret that. Um, <laughs> we're going to have Band of Brothers tomorrow night. If you don't know what Band of Brothers is, it's just a way for men to connect. So uh, we come, we have a meal together in here in the, in the uh, auditorium on Monday night tomorrow. I think it's 6. And uh, after that, there's a cool 6.30. I know how time works. And um, I have to tell myself 6, so I'll be there on time at 6.30. And we have a meal together. We have a cool lesson, uh, a way for God to help us grow as men. So if you're available, you're free, and you want to come check that out, uh, we'll be here. It'll be cool. Uh, and and then we have sisters of strength, which is a similar deal that happens with our women in a couple weeks. And then on March uh, 21st, I wanted to talk really fast about, uh, how we're just going to have like a hangout for if you're in your twenties or your thirties, uh, we're going to have a hangout for you specifically here at the church. Uh, we're going to play some games, have some food, have some snacks. There'll be childcare provided. If you're one of those people who has kids, (laughs) Okay, and um, no, please, for real. Uh, seriously, we, just, we want people to come out. So if you want to come hang out and you want to bring your kids, we'll have childcare provided. It'll be a lot of fun, and that's it. Uh, go ahead and do this for me real fast. We're going to get ready for the message. If you have a Bible, uh, you can turn to uh, Matthew chapter 6, and we'll get ready for the message.
0: Thank you, Pastor Darius, and it is great to see you this morning, Church. We missed you a ton last week. I was miserable to be around last Sunday. Um, But, you know, to kind of fill you in on what happened last week, so not only did the windstorm, like it did for some of you, do damage to the building, um, it completely tore apart our, our big tent over there that we use on Wednesday night for the kids, and that was quite an accomplishment because that thing was heavy duty and, and rated up to 90 mile an hour winds when we bought it. And it was bent and twisted and broken and all. Porn. But, but maybe even more amazing, um, when we came down on Saturday to clean all that up, we found that that wind was blowing so hard that it not only blew wind, uh, snow in the vents in the attic, it drifted in the attic. It was like two feet deep in the attic from end to end which completely shorted out our fire alarm security system and caused a raft of other electrical problems that we had to deal with. And that's what happened last Saturday night. And can I just, can I just ask you to feel for my wife? Because nobody is more miserable to be around on Sunday when we couldn't have church than me. Uh, and then to just add to that, our water heater went out at home. So it was quite a week uh, at our house. Um, You know, I don't know what it is. I'm still trying to repent of it, whatever it is that caused this last week. But no, hey, hey, the good news of God's faithfulness, Church, um, just so you know... Uh, not only did uh, our church's insurance cover all the costs, um, you know, and take care of all the repairs, but on top of that, it spurred some of our men to get together, and they've come up with a whole new plan for an even better tent structure that's going to go out there, that's going to solve a lot of problems. And, um, you know, when we bought that original tent, it's a heavy-duty professional thing. We bought it early last year, and we paid $22,000 for it. But as a church, we were completely reimbursed for it by our insurance. The net effect was that we rented that tent out there for eight months for about 500 bucks, which isn't terrible uh, when you consider that renting it for one weekend was 2,500 bucks. So uh, God was gracious and faithful all the way through. Thank you to folks who showed up and cleaned up messes. We had people climbing in the attic and bringing out snow by the garbage bag full uh, last week. So can we just appreciate all the folks that came down and spent all their time doing that? that was a really big deal and you know it happened so suddenly on on Saturday night it was unable for us to turn things around fast enough to for Sunday morning so it, it's great to see you again this week and to be back uh, where we belong uh, grab your bible if you would and open it to Matthew's gospel chapter 6 and um, next week we're going to finish this teaching series that we began at the beginning of the year called Crossfit in which we've been exploring a promise that Jesus made to us a a very timely promise in this season of pandemic and overcoming all the challenges and struggles that we've had to in this last year. Jesus said this, he said, come to me when you're weary and burdened and I'll give you rest. I'll give you what that inward part of you craves in a time like this. I'll give you rest even in the midst of trials Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your soul. So what Jesus was saying is, let let, let my leadership become real and practical in your life. Take my yoke upon you. And if you do, you'll find the rest that your soul craves. And we've been exploring what that looks like. In the first week, we heard that it means listening to Jesus. The second week, we heard that it it means serving one another. Paradoxically, we actually find rest for our souls in serving one another. In the third week, we talked about the fact that we find rest for our souls in repenting and saying, God, you were right. I was wrong. I sinned. I confess my sin to you. Forgive me. Repentance is a gift. And then in the fourth week, we talked about the fact that we find rest for our souls in recognizing that we are intended to be a family, that we are meant to be united as believers, one body. This week, we're going to talk about the fact that rest for your soul flows from taking the yoke of prayer on your life. Now, you know, very often when we start to talk about prayer, we start to feel guilty about our lack of a prayer life. Our purpose this morning is not to resurrect that guilt. Our purpose this morning is to understand why Jesus calls us to take into our lives the yoke of prayer so Matthew chapter 6 beginning with verse 5 but let me begin by asking you this question raise your hand if you love it when somebody is watching you go ahead and put your hand up notice how nobody put their hand up right not very many of us put our most of us are uncomfortable knowing that we're being watched I mean, think about that moment when you glance in your rearview mirror and you notice that the car behind you is a police car. How do you feel in that moment? More relaxed or more uptight, yeah? Most of us feel more uptight. I have a couple of police officer friends that told me they feel the same way when they're in their car and the car behind them. Most of us are uncomfortable with the feeling that we're being watched, but sometimes being watched is the greatest thing in the world. You know, I remember years ago when some guys were trying to, to teach me how to be a golfer. They failed. Everybody who set out to teach me to be a golfer over the years has failed. And sometimes I felt like it was my responsibility to learn to be a golfer because I'm a pastor. I don't know how that works, but it got in my head somewhere. So I was, I was trying at the time to learn to love golf. I, I've never figured that out, but I was up early on a Saturday morning because we had a church men's golf tournament coming up and I didn't want to look like more of an idiot than I usually do. So I was trying to get some practice in and very early on a Saturday morning, nobody was around, and and on this little par three, I hit a great drive, and it landed right on the green, and I was so excited, and I ran up there, and I said, wow, look what I did, and and then I lined up kind of a long putt, and I made the putt. It was the first birdie of my life. It was the only birdie of my life, in case you're wondering, but I I made it, and in the moment when I made it, I like turned around, and I was like, ah, did anybody see that? (laughs) And I'll always remember, there was this old guy, I think he was the, the foreman on the course, and he was going by in a golf cart. And he raised his hand and said, yep, I saw it, you're good, I saw it, somebody saw it. I was like, yay, somebody saw it. Sometimes we want to be watched. Prayer makes us aware that God is watching. Both for good, in the sense of affirming when we're succeeding but also for good in the sense of keeping us from wandering off his path. Prayer restores our awareness that God is watching. Church, let's let's be honest with ourselves. Sometimes we forget that. We lose touch with that reality. But knowing that he's watching, being aware that he is watching pulls out of us our best selves. And that happens happens in two ways. First, knowing that God is watching. And prayer makes us aware of that. Knowing that God is watching can keep us from very great disasters. The next time that you feel the strong pull of real temptation, pause for a moment and pray and become aware that God is present in that moment. And you'll find a a kind of change inside of you. As you become freshly aware that he's watching, prayer does that. But it also helps us remember that we will be rewarded for things, lots of things that our world doesn't champion. Prayer pulls out our best selves because it makes us aware that a father God is watching us. And inside of both of those realities... We find rest for our souls. Let's listen to Jesus talk about prayer for a moment and then unpack it together. Matthew chapter 6, beginning with verse 6. The Lord is speaking, and here's what he says. He says, when you pray, Greg, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. They love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. Sometimes we misunderstand that word hypocrites. I want to touch on it in a moment. He said, I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But but when you pray, listen carefully, church, because sometimes there's a whole mythology in our church subculture about prayer. Jesus says, when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, don't keep on babbling like pagans. They think they will be heard because of their many words. Don't get hung up on the the term pagans. It just refers to those people who don't know God. Focus instead on the thought that they think they will be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them. Your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Let's pause for a moment, friends, and and take this in because here's the reality. If we're honest with ourselves, most of us feel self-conscious about our lack of prayer. And sometimes we try to address that by getting more determined, by making New Year's resolutions, so to speak, about prayer. But really, we will pray as we understand what God does in it, as we begin to grasp why He calls us to prayer. So let's listen to what Jesus is saying in this moment. First of all, he says, don't be like the hypocrites. Now, that word is full of pejoratives in our modern context. It it is a word that has come to mean something it didn't mean in the moment that Jesus used it. The word Hippocrates is the Greek version, and it means simply actors. It means pretenders. Today it's got all this two-faced connotation to it and, and it's like a negative for a person who's false in public than they are in private. Well, newsflash, most of us are. And in this moment, that's not what Jesus is emphasizing. In this moment, he's he's talking about actors, people who play a part, who pretend uh, to have a connection uh, with God. For some, prayer is a way to show off their so-called faith. That's why Jesus says in verse 5, they just want to be seen. Be careful, friends, of thinking that the key to prayer is what happens in public. Jesus says the key to prayer is what happens in private. You know, Ron and I, we have some conversations in public with lots of other people around. A lot of our conversations are overheard by family or friends or folks that we go to church with, but our most significant conversations, as in your life, are the ones we have in private, the ones when the two of us just sit down and talk turkey. Jesus said, let your prayer life be like that. Let it be a coming away with me in private intimacy. Sometimes we think that the key to our prayer life is to gather everybody together and have a big prayer meeting. There's nothing wrong with a prayer meeting. It's wonderful things that happen in a prayer meeting, but Jesus says the most important part of prayer is what you do in private when you get alone with him and have those intimate conversations. Jesus says people who pray for public notice have received their reward in full. In other words, what happens in the moment when they pray is all that will ever happen. In other words, their prayers are, are, are a good show, but that's all they are. They are powerless. Nothing real comes from them. You know what a poser is? A poser is someone who pretends. Jesus says, don't be one. You know, guys, when you stand in front of the mirror and suck in your tummy and then tell yourself that, you know, that's what your waist size is. I just went and bought some jeans. I was tempted to make my waist size one too small. Then I said to myself, don't be a poser, Greg. Your waist size is X. I'm not going to tell you what it is. So you're not going to know what it is. <laughs> But Jesus says, don't be like that. Be real. Be, be genuine. When you pray, and notice this. It's this so important. When you pray, go into your room and close the door. In other words, get alone with God. Why? Because that's when you and me are most authentic, are most genuine, are most open. That's when there's, there's no reason to put on a show. So Jesus says, help yourself. Get past the show. By going into your room, closing the door, and getting alone with your Father. And then he says this, pray to your Father who is unseen. In other words, become aware of what is unseen. Uh, Friends, sooner or later, you and I are going to have to acknowledge that the most significant realities in life are the unseen ones. Every one of us has a date with the unseen realities. Every one of us is going to pass out of this life. It's not going to matter what's on the news. It's not going to matter what's going on in our community. It's not going to matter what's going on at work. What's going to matter is what's been going on in my heart. And that unseen reality we get in touch with when we pray. Pray to your Father who is unseen. Let yourself remember that all the concerns that consume you during the week are passing away. They're passing away. And Jesus says, not only become aware of the unseen, but become aware of the fact that God is your father. Let yourself get reconnected with that reality. Go into your room, close the door and say, God, sometimes I forget that you're there. Sometimes I forget that you are my dad. Because I've received Jesus as my Savior. What happens in that moment is incredibly powerful. Your soul cycles down and gets in touch with what really matters. With what's real and what lasts forever. When we don't pray, church, here's the scary thing. When we don't pray, we lose our awareness of invisible things. And we become preoccupied with visible things. That's happened to many believers in our day. We're more concerned about visible things than invisible things. But let me tell you, in the moment when we pass from this life, all those visible things, they won't matter near as much. Prayer puts us back in touch with unseen reality. And we need that desperately. You know, sometimes when you're driving down the freeway and and you decide to change lanes, if you're a bad driver, you don't check your mirrors. And what can happen in that moment? Something that was unseen but was always there suddenly becomes a danger. Suddenly becomes a reality you were always dealing with, you just forgot, you just lost touch with it. Prayer restores our awareness of the unseen. Not only the dangers, but the blessings that God considers you his son his daughter it brings rest to our souls by doing that when we don't pray we lose that awareness and and that kind of ignorance friends can have serious practical consequences back in second kings chapter six there's a great story of uh, the prophet Elisha and his servant and the story begins, if I can kind of set it up, then I want to read a couple of verses for you. You know, the story begins that, that Elisha has been prophesying to the king of Israel, and as a consequence, Israel's winning her wars with her enemies. And the, the enemy king gets frustrated by this, and he says, well, it's that prophet that's helping the king of Israel know where to deploy his army, so we got to take out that prophet. So he sends an army, he sends a hand-picked group of soldiers to surround the city where Elisha lives and to capture him and to kill him. And early the morning that that army arrives, Elisha's servant gets up. And and here's what the Bible tells us. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, he found that an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And it's not spelled out in the scripture, but it's revealed by Elisha's prayer. The servant looked around and said, what are you talking about? I don't see anybody but the enemy. I don't see anybody but the forces of evil who are surrounding our city and about to conquer it and about to take it down. If there's ever a time to panic, it's now, the servant is thinking. We got to run. We got to hide. We got to fight. We got to do something. But Elisha prays a very specific prayer. Look at what he said. He said, "O oh Lord, open his eyes so that he may see." And then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Now the story goes on. It's a beautiful story. It goes on to say Elisha's servant wants to wipe out the enemy army. Elisha says, no, let's make peace with the enemy army. So he leads them blinded back to their city, turns them over to the king. and, And it's a beautiful story of God being a peacemaker. But here's the point. All throughout that morning, The army on the prophet's side was there, but Elisha's servant was unaware of it. We live like that sometimes. We live overcome by our fear of what we see because we're so blind to what's there that we don't see. And it is prayer that puts us back in touch with that, friend. It is prayer that reconnects us with that reality. It's not a make-believe. It's not a fantasy. It's more real than what we see. Prayer is how you become aware. It puts you in touch with spirituality. It's amazing what we become aware of when we simply pay attention, when the distractions are gone. I saw a great meme uh, this week about a guy who, who said, you know, I went into the bathroom and forgot to bring my phone. He said, there are 268 floor tiles in the bathroom. <laughs> he became aware of what was always there, but that he had lost touch with. Church, that's what prayer does. It makes us aware of what matters most. And so Jesus says, hey, Greg, I want to slip this yoke of prayer over your shoulders. I want to take some of your time every day. doesn't have to be a lot, but I want you to go into your room and close the door, Greg, and get back in touch with what's really going on. Get back in touch with invisible realities. You know, Jesus beautifully in this passage emphasizes that prayer makes us aware of God as our Father. Pray to your Father. And, and the beautiful side of that is that it, it makes us aware that we are noticed. You know, it's so easy to feel like we don't matter. But once upon a time we wanted to be watched because we knew that it meant we mattered. It knew that it meant we were noticed. When we were little kids we said, Daddy, Mama, Grandma, Grandpa, watch me. We said it over and over again until our parents or grandparents were so tired of watching us they wanted to scream. But we kept wanting to be watched because we knew how much it mattered. Why did we want it so much then and not so much now? The difference is that we knew then the reason mom or dad or grandma or grandpa was watching us. They watched us because of their love for us. Prayer puts us back in touch with that reality. You need to know God is watching you as a father. That's where rest for the soul comes in. I remember when I was first learning how to play basketball, kind of taking it seriously at that stage in my life. And and so we would go play in these leagues and stuff, and and we would have the the game videotaped. And then my uncle, who was a big basketball star, he'd come and I'd say, Hey, Paul, watch my tapes. Tell me what I can do better. You know, I discovered an awful thing, is that you don't look nearly as awesome on tape as you did in your head when you were doing stuff. (laughs) But I also learned that, wow. My uncle could see things, oh, you're doing that right, Greg, do this also, add this to that, and and I wanted to be watched. God says, I want you to feel that way, and prayer puts you in touch with me as your father. Church, understand, our best selves happen when we know we're being watched in this way. And so Jesus says, verse 6, then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. You need to know you're being watched, coached, led, taught, noticed in these ways. Prayer does that, and out of that flows rest for our souls. Now, Jesus teaches us something else important about prayer here. He he says it isn't just a tool, it's a relationship. Very often what we're tempted to do is reduce prayer to a tool. We got a pile of tools in the garage to get things done. Prayer goes in that box with all the other stuff. It's a way to get things done. Well, friends, it is much more than that. It's why Jesus says, verses 6 to 8, when you pray, don't keep on babbling like the pagans. They think they'll be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them. Your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Many times people hear that and they go, well, then why pray? Talk about missing the point. Don't you want your kids to talk to you? Not just about what they want, but about what's going on in their lives. And don't you want to be part of that conversation so that you can shape them and parent them and help them and raise them? In the same way, God says, don't treat your conversations with me as a to-do list or a shopping list. He says, much more than that. I know what you need before you ask, but let's talk about it. Because that's where we grow. Notice the emphasis on the father again and notice that when you when you remember that that he is father when you remember that you're in relationship with him then you don't pray to inform him of what he doesn't know but to remember who he is you know, our son's 26 years old now lives in another city engaged sometimes he'll just call up and our custom in the past has been to expect him to want something so <laughs> the phone will ring Ron will answer I'll say what does Isaiah want you know because he has got that call but more and more he just calls up to say, hey, what are you guys doing? What's going, on? what's going on? Let me tell you about what's going on in my life. And we look forward to those calls. And it's not that we don't still do stuff. It's not that we don't still step in and help. But, but you know, the calls are much more than that. And because of that, they're much better for him and they're much better for us. God says, understand, that's what I'm looking for in prayer. When we forget this by not praying, we reduce prayer to a kind of cold, mechanical, administrative exercise like filing for your car tabs every year. And then we wonder why we don't pray. It's because of what we've turned it into in our heads and hearts. Many folks can't get past prayers that aren't answered in the way or time they want, and so they don't pray but god teaches us church god teaches us very clearly that there are lots of reasons for prayers that aren't answered in the way and time that we want let me take just a couple of minutes and talk about that for example over in 1 peter chapter 3 verse 7 the bible says this husbands be considerate as you live with your wives treat them with respect as the physically weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of god so a gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers if you're mistreating your wife God says, hey, that's going to be a factor in our conversations. In fact, sometimes I'm just not going to answer your prayers if you're mistreating your wife. And and we can flip that script as well. It goes both ways. But the important thing to understand is that God says, hey, because prayer is not just a tool, it's a relationship. I'm looking at your whole life. I'm looking at everything that's going on in your life. Hinder in this passage can mean two things. It can mean that God doesn't answer the prayer, but it can also mean that you'll just stop praying. Mistreating your wife, your spouse, will cause you to avoid prayer. The scripture also tells us that indifference to those in need outrages the Father. Isaiah the prophet declares in chapter 1, when you spread out your hands in prayer, I'll hide my eyes from you. Even if you offer many prayers, I will not listen because your hands are full of blood. Stop doing wrong and learn to do right. Seek justice, encourage the oppressed, defend the cause of the fatherless, plead the case of the widow. God says, if you choose not to do those things, well, then I'm going to choose not to respond to your prayers sometimes. So you see, prayer becomes much more than a tool to get things done. It becomes a relationship with a living father. That comes in as well in 1 John chapter 5, verse 14, when the scripture says, this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Church, God answers and doesn't answer prayer in the time and way we want from his wisdom and from his love. That's why Jesus said, remember when you pray, you're talking to your dad. I'm sure there was probably a time in your life when your dad said, no, not now. <laughs> no, I want you to learn something, so we're going to do it this way, not the way you want. God does the same thing. We become aware of that as we pray. Luke tells us in chapter 18 that sometimes we're just unwilling to wait. He tells the parable of the persistent widow. James tells us when you ask, sometimes you don't receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Every parent wants their child to become aware of other people, to understand that significance. So unanswered prayer only becomes an issue when we treat prayer like a gimmick or a trick, when we treat it like a tool. What prayer does is make us aware of invisible realities, of a God who is there, of a God who is our Father, who's parenting us, and that's where rest for our souls comes. I love what Chuck Swindoll said, buried in my heart 35 years ago. He said, the first thing that changes when I pray is me. Yeah. But when we don't pray, that doesn't happen because we're unaware. We're disconnected from reality, just like Elisha's servant. People who listen to Jesus' teaching on prayer become prayers because they discover that it's a conversation with their Creator in which we learn how to listen. Church, understand in prayer you will learn that because He is God, He speaks with more than just words. Because He is God, He doesn't babble, and neither should you. And Because He's a Father God, He wants us to listen to what He's already said before we insist on hearing something new prayer does all that it puts us back in touch with the fact that we are sons and daughters of a loving living father god and that the unseen realities around us are greater than the visible ones and in this way prayer is a key part of the yoke that jesus offers us and it brings rest to the soul i think of our lord when he was in the garden of gethsemane facing the greatest trial of his life Choosing to surrender to the cross, knowing it was the right thing to do, but feeling inside of him, you know, like we all do, a desire to not do it. Father, if you're willing, may this cup pass from me. And facing that moment, what got him through it, what enabled him to overcome was he got on his knees in prayer and he remembered that God is there. He remembered that God is his father. He felt again God's calling in his life and out of that flowed the courage and the strength. He got up and went to the cross. Church, the same thing happens in your life and mine every single week, every month, every year. We find the courage to do and be who we're called to be. In prayer. The scripture says that angels attended him in that moment. Something supernatural took place in that moment. And it does when we pray. Prayer creates that awareness. And that awareness does beautiful things. It washes away our fears. And it reminds us that God notices and sees us and rewards us. The Bible tells us in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. That's what happens when you get with God in prayer. You get back in touch with him. And, and one more thing before we circle into the closing this morning. Prayer creates an awareness that God is holy and righteous and just. And church, the fear of God is a rich blessing. The fear of God is a rich blessing. It will keep you from doing things you shouldn't. It will spur you to do things you'll be glad you did. The scripture tells us that he's watching the eyes of the Lord are everywhere. Proverbs 15.3, keeping watch on the wicked and the good. Prayer reminds us of that. Proverbs 5.1 says, a man's ways are in full view of the Lord, and he examines all his paths. Galatians chapter 6 verse 7 says, don't be deceived, God can't be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. You know, we saw a huge illustration of this just a month ago at that insurrection at our capital, right? It's amazing to me to this day, and I'm sure it is to you, that all these people went and did something that was illegal, that was wrong, that was immoral, that was the ultimate anti-patriotic thing to do, and then they blabbed their heads off on social media with videos. How dumb do you have to be? The last few weeks we just watched one person after another being arrested and put in prison because all they did was go and look at their social media and, and it's as if they thought that if they posted something on the internet, nobody would see it. Sometimes we can be that dumb and forget that God is watching. Forget that consequences are there. Forget that rewards and blessings are there. Prayer makes us aware again. We rise from prayer fully aware. And Jesus says, hey, this is part of the yoke that will bring rest to your souls. He finishes in verses 9 and following by by giving us a simple pattern for prayer. And and please, church, uh, understand that, that memorizing these words and practicing them is exactly what Jesus intended. The disciples said, teach us to pray. He said, okay, practice this way. This is what the swing looks like. Practice it. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, rule me. let let your leadership happen in my life your will be done on earth as it is in heaven the primary thought is in my life and then it expands out from there give us today our daily bread God help me me keep my head in today help me keep my head in what's going on today forgive us our sins because we need it as we also forgive those who sin against us because they need it lead us not into temptation God that's a reality steer me away from it deliver us from evil In practicing that prayer, we become aware of unseen things, of God as Father, and that's where rest for our souls comes. Church, the message this morning is so simple. (laughs) It's a call to prayer. It's a call to find a moment in every day when you go into your room and close the door or the break room at work or your car at lunch or whatever, (laughs) but you get alone with God and you allow yourself to become aware again of all the things that you lost your awareness of. You know, my niece's husband, they were married about four years ago. His name's Cody. Cody's a master woodworker. A young man just in his early 20s already had quite a reputation as a fantastic craftsman. Uh, Was already kind of building a career uh, by word of mouth because he was so good. He knew how to use all the tools. He knew how to... To, to use them well. But not long before they were married, just a few months before they were married, he just lost his awareness of what he was doing. And as a consequence, he put his hand right through a bandside used a million times, cut off four fingers on one hand. Now, the good news is that, you know, doctors were able to sew them back on and he has them to this day, but his, his use of that hand is significantly decreased. Now you would think that of all people, Cody would be the least likely to have that happen to him. I mean, he lives in that world every day, but just like you and me, he became distracted. He lost touch with what's most real. And as a consequence, to this day, he bears that scar in his body. God says, Greg, I want you to learn to pray so that you remain aware of me. So you remain aware of unseen realities, because in it you will find rest for your souls. You'll lose your fear. You'll lose your fear, because you know, as Elisha's servants discovered, that those are with us are more than those that are with the enemy. And you will discover that a father God is watching you and rewarding you for all the things our world doesn't. And that pulls your best self out. Would you bow your heads, and let's pray together this morning. And let me just invite you in this moment to forget about everybody around you. And to remember that the moment is coming when it'll just be you and God. When you and I will be called to give an account of our lives. And to remember that knowing that God has sent his son to be your savior, that your sins are forgiven. At the same time, that that means you've been adopted and become his daughter, his son. And and he's going to parent you. And the more you remain aware of that, the more beautiful that becomes. And let me invite you to hear the Holy Spirit in this moment calling you to set aside a little piece of every day. Just 10 minutes of every day to come aside and pray that you may know rest for your soul. That's what God wants for you. He wants you to live with the freedom of Elisha's servant, and it happens when you pray. God, we thank you for your word this morning. Send us out from here, God, rejoicing in the gift of prayer. Teach us to meet with you alone every day that we might know rest for our souls. We pray that. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Would you stand with me, church? You know, there's a there's a part of us that says, oh yeah, that's right, I should pray. But so often that part of us is connected to the idea that prayer is just a tool. God wants you to know that prayer is a relationship. There's where its greatest power lies. It is also a tool, but it is first a relationship. If you've decided that MRCC is your church home and you want to kind of get connected, Brent Smith, one of our staff, is up here. He's up here after every service. You can come up and grab him. He'll help you get connected with a small group or a ministry. He's always here at the end of services. But now, may the love of God the Father, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of His Holy Spirit go with you throughout this week. Go with God, church. Tell somebody that you love them.